0: Or email us at hello at coastline nsb.com. Uh, today we're continuing on in the series that we started just a few weeks ago called Selfless. And uh, I've been it's been pretty great so far. We've been talking about how for this year of 2020, you know, we all of us come into it with a mindset, of, you know, it's a new year, new me. Uh, but we're challenging ourselves as followers of Christ to, to say, you know what, what about if we didn't do life, new year, new me? What about if we said new year, less of me? What does it look like for us in this year to live selfless and to let let God take the the, the limelight? Let God be the one that's in front and the one that we follow. Uh, let Jesus, say, be the person that we follow through our life. And so we've been discussing different ways that we can do that. Last week we specifically talked about uh, that one of the ways is following his leadership and serving Others, Jesus came down and lived a humble life but served the people around him. And so we talked about how we uh, how we uh, are going to start as a church that we should just be serving the community. We should be serving our neighbors. And so there was a bunch of you guys that actually signed up for the first time uh, to start serving on the Coastline crew, which is a big deal. Give yourselves a hand. That's great. So. But if you missed any of that, you can actually go back and watch online. Uh, and I want to take a quick, quick second to uh, welcome all the people that are tuning in online on YouTube. We've got something like 20, 30 people uh, that regularly watch each Sunday morning. Uh, and then there's lots of people, uh, our children's ministry volunteers uh, and the other uh, crew members that are serving during the service, that they watch it in midweek. So I want to thank you guys for for watching and tuning in. And uh, I pray that uh, you'll get something just as much out of this as we are. Uh, and, uh, and I'm excited for it. So I'm going to pray for us, and we're going to jump right in. You guys ready? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for the opportunity you've given us to come and meet in this great high school. I pray that we would never get to the point where we take it for granted. I pray that today, God, as I speak your word, as I I preach this message that you've given me, Lord, I pray that it would hit and penetrate our hearts and cause change to happen in the ways that you would want them to happen. God, I thank you so much for what you've done in me and through this. And I pray that as I speak this word that you would give me the exact words to say. I speak them all for your glory and your honor. In your son's name we pray. Everybody said amen. Amen. So uh, one of my favorite people to talk about when we're, we're talking about uh, the, the lives that were around Jesus uh, during his time here on this earth or uh, the people that were around uh, those people right after he went back to heaven. Uh, one of my favorite stories is of this man named Saul of Tarsus. Now, of, of Tarsus was not his last name. His name was Saul. He was just from a place called Tarsus. And Saul, you've got to know. Uh, Was a very smart man. He was incredibly intellectual. Uh, He would have been definitely a great student. He would have been a hard worker. Uh, He was very much respected by his peers, Uh, and he was he was really uh, a great man. He was a leader. And one of the, lead, the things that he led was this group of people called the Pharisees. Now, we have learned over the course of uh, following Jesus' life that the Pharisees were actually uh, bad guys. They, they have a negative connotation that's kind of connected to them. Uh, but I want to tell you that the way the Pharisees got started was not for that purpose. The way they got started is they were actually defenders of the faith. They were the ones that like defended the Old Testament law, the law of Moses and what God had told Moses and Joshua going through uh, the the promise or coming into the promised land. And so these guys, their responsibility was to the the Israelite people to defend the faith. And so specifically, Saul of Tarsus, he was he was really great at this. He was one of the, 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 the lead follower or the lead Pharisees that were in charge of doing this. He was so good of his, at his job, though, that actually uh, he, he got into some trouble with it. Because during the time of Jesus, after Jesus went back to heaven, uh, this group of people started to uh, start a movement called The Way. In this movement, this group of people called The Way, they would turn out to be uh, the, the next, the, or the beginning, the early church. And so Saul, he was such a good, such a good uh, Pharisee, he was, he was to the point where he was defending the faith so well that he started to persecute, persecute these followers of Christ, these Christians, to the point where they would actually even put them to death. They would stone them. Now in today's day and age, if, if we were to hear about that here in America, I mean, it would be all over the news. That would be just, and it just would be crazy. But Saul was literally doing this to the followers of Jesus Christ after Jesus went back to heaven. And so all of a sudden one day it comes to the point where Jesus has enough or at some point he says, hey, I've got a plan that's bigger than what Saul has right now in his mind. I've got a plan to use him. And so he meets with Saul and he causes so much life change to happen with Saul. And Saul understands that what he's been doing is completely wrong. And so he does a complete 180 and he starts to follow Jesus. He becomes part of the way and goes from persecuting Christians actually being someone who would go out and promote Christianity. He would go out and start to, to, to plant churches. And today, in, day, in today's day and age, here in the, the early church, we go and we we talk more from uh, Paul's letters to the early church than we do a lot of other things. But when I read his story, it's a reminder to me, one, one of my life, but two of the, the ability that God has, the ability that Jesus has to take people and change them completely. Now, a few weeks back, you heard me talk about that. Um, for most of us, uh, we, we've, we've heard that Jesus has uh, this amazing ability to take ordinary people and do extraordinary miracles with them, right? Here, when it comes to, to Saul, though, Saul wasn't ordinary. Saul was extraordinary. He was smart. He was an authority figure, I love how, how Jesus is still able to use him and change him and do some fantastic things through him. It's this great, beautiful story of life change. And it's something that, that many of us, we want to experience or, or we have experienced or we want to see other people in our lives that we love experience. This idea of Jesus coming in and changing them completely and making them better. Follow, being a follower of Jesus, being a follower of the way. How many of you guys know that, um, man, being a Christian doesn't mean life is easy, right? Tough, tough stuff happens, right? My life is better today because I follow Christ, but it does not mean that things are easy at all. So Saul, as he's making this transition to being a follower of Jesus, Jesus says, okay, now from now on you're going to be called Paul. And Paul would later on go on to write most of the New Testament, would be responsible for planting uh, many of the very first churches. Jesus did some fantastic things with him, but it wasn't just easy. He went from having this authority to to being uh, the guy in the limelight to to being popular and, and super smart. He went from that to actually being persecuted himself. And some tough things happen to him in the book of Acts, chapter uh, sixteen, verse twenty-two to twenty-five. We start to see a part par after uh, Saul t- becomes Paul, and after he starts following Jesus, we see a story of where he actually starts to get persecuted a little bit. Him and a guy he's with named Silas. Uh, this happens to them. It says a mob quickly formed around a- around against Paul and Silas, and the c- city officials ordered them stripped, beaten with wooden rods. They were severely beaten, and then they were thrown into prison. Now, here's the thing. Paul literally goes from persecuting Christians to, I'm going to spread the name of Jesus throughout the world. I'm going to do what Jesus called us to do. And they're going out, and they're preaching. They're on their way to go uh, and, and continue to plant these churches. And here comes these guys. They strip them down in the middle of the city, beat them with wooden rods, and throw them in prison. Now, here's the thing. When it comes to life, like, I love life. I really love life when life is good, right? How many of you guys know it's real easy to live life when life is good? Like, we're talking about being selfless and being a follower of Christ. And, and it's easy to, to choose to be selfless, to put Jesus first when everything's going good, right? When life, when the bills are getting paid, right? When, the, when we keep stepping on the st- scale and it keeps going down, right? You know, it's easy, but get yeah, Jesus, I'm gonna choose you first. Well, what happens when bad things happen? Last night I was uh, watching this this fight uh, on on television. I was up way too late, but as I'm watching it, and I'm rem- remembering back to my youth of when I was an adolescent and would get in fights as well. None of which looked like the fight I watched last night. It's a lot more heavier breathing. It's a lot shorter, and it's one thing I remember though. I, rem- I remember about these fights. And some of, some of you guys got in fights when you were a kid, right? You remember, there's one thing. You, everyone has a plan. Everyone is, is excited for the fight until you get punched in the nose. At that point, once you get punched in the face, it's like, uh, I don't know if I like that. I'm going to tell you about my first fight. My first fight, I was in middle school. Uh, I was probably 5'10", or something like five 5'5", or whatever. I was tall in middle school. I was probably about this weight. I was a giant middle schooler. It was crazy. And I fought this guy, Dale. Dale was like three foot two, 100 pounds, soaking wet. And Dale said something very offensive. He said, you couldn't beat me up. And I got offended by that. I said, I'm going to show you. So we met outside at the playground in the sixth grade. I'm going I'm to give Dale a what for. We square off, and everybody's around us. And Dale throws one punch, lands it right in the middle of my face. And I realized real quickly, I'm a lover, not a fighter. That was, that was it. That's all, that's all I needed to know. That was enough. Shortest fight of my entire life. You win, I'm out. Because life is easy until you get punched in the face. And then, and then life gets a little bit tough. And so Paul has this fantastic transition in his life where life is going great and he's planting churches and the followers of the way are uniting behind him and seeing how great of a man he, he can be with through, in Jesus' hands. But something happens and he gets beaten naked in the street with wooden rods and gets thrown into prison. I'm not gonna lie, it's, it's gonna be tough to be selfless when those type of things happen. Right? It's tough, it's tough to have the self discipline to say, you know, what, I'm going to choose Jesus first when life comes at me hard and punches me in the face. You know what? In this situation, God, God he, was, he still wasn't done with Saul. He wasn't done with Paul. He wasn't done with Silas. It says in there in the Bible, uh, in that same book, chapter tw- uh, 16, I think it's probably verse 23 or 24 and 25, it says this is the jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape. So the jailer put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in stocks. Around midnight, though, Paul and Silas were praying. Check this out. And singing hymns to God and the other pr- the other prisoners were listening. We would find out later in the story that as they continued to sing, as they continued to pray, as people continued to hear them, that the ground would start to shake and that the chains would start to break away and the gates would open and they would be freed. I think part of it is because they they chose, you know what? When it comes to the times I'm getting punched in the face, I'm going to stay strong, I'm going to still choose Jesus first. I'm going to follow him. I'm going to worship him. For some of you today, man, you, you can, I, I talk about that illustration being punched in the face, and you know exactly what that is in your life. For some of you guys, it's a number in a bank account or an envelope that comes in the, the mail uh, each week that says past due. For others of you, it's sitting in front of a doctor and, and, and getting some bad reports. For others of you, still, it's, driving home from work and knowing that you're going to have to face your spouse and things aren't, things aren't good. It's, it's really tough to be selfless in those situations. But I want to give you a couple, of, a couple of things that I think will help you when it comes time to still choosing New Year, less of me. When it comes to getting punched in the face, when it comes to the world coming at you, here are three things I believe that will help you continue to choose Jesus first above everything else. The first thing is this. Perspective. Look at your neighbor and say perspective. Perspective. You know, I was watching uh, TV the other day with uh, Eric, and I can't remember what we were watching, uh, but this somehow the, the narrator tells this fantastic illustration that just completely clicked with me and made sense. It went something like this. He said there's a story that goes of these four blind men. These four blind men, they've, obviously they've been blind their entire life. They haven't been able to see anything. And they come together and they say, man, we, we want to figure out, we want to know, you know, what's, what's an elephant? We hear about this, this thing called an elephant, but, but we've I mean, obviously never seen it, never experienced one. And so they, fig- they figure out a way. Someone comes and says, okay, we're going to show you what an elephant looks like. And so they take one blind guy and they, they walk him to the front of the elephant and they, the man takes hold of the elephant's trunk he feels it and, and he smells the elephant. And he says, okay, this is what an elephant is. The second guy, they go, they take around to the back and he grabs a hold of the tail of the elephant and says, hey, this, this is what an elephant is. I feel it. I, I know what it is. The two other guys, they take on either side and they start to feel and they feel and they say, this is what an elephant is. But the unfortunate thing is all four of them can never experience what the elephant really is because they have a lack of perspective. Because they're so, they're so close to it, they can't, they can't comprehend the pieces that come together to make the elephant and what's happening. For some of you, you see something in front of you that's punched you in the face. You see something that's coming against you that you're having a tough time with and you cannot understand why would God allow this to happen to you? Why Why would this happen? Why do I have to experience this? And sometimes we just have to take a second and take a step back and say, you know what, Jesus, God, he sees this in a different perspective than what I do because he sees the whole elephant. He knows exactly what's going on in this situation. For some of us, we, we need to adjust our perspective to the perspective of God's. Psalms uh, 118 verse 24 says this. I remember my mom saying this to us when we would wake up each day. It says this, it says, this is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. I, I can't help but think that Paul and Silas in prison after being beat with rods, they might not have felt like, Praying and worshiping, right? They, they didn't feel like that. But at some point they said, you know what? we this, this is the day. This is the opportunity. We don't know what's going on, but but God, God does. He sees the whole elephant. They started to pray, they started to worship. Some of us, when it comes to perspective, we need to adjust our perspective to that of God's. And others, we don't need to adjust. We just need to trust that He sees. What needs to happen? We need to trust his perspective. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31 says this. It says, whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. Wh- whatever you do, everything, slinging drywall, selling food, cleaning houses, selling houses, fishing, whatever you do, raising kids, that ain't easy. I'm going to tell you right now but do it for the glory of God and trust his perspective. When it comes to perspective, it will keep you selfless if you see the perspective of God. First key to staying selfless in a situation is perspective. The second key is perspiration. Look at your neighbor and say perspiration. Some of y'all are perspirating right now because the AC needs to kick on. We're going to pray for that thing here in a little bit. You know, there's this way of thinking in the world today that when it comes to uh, experiencing life or peace or whatever, that, that a lot of that is based off of comfort, right? It should be, it should be easy. There's, especially with the younger generation, there's this huge, um, and I'm not, if you're younger than me, I am not picking on you at all. Please don't, because I, I, I used to be one. I used to be there. But there's this influx of people that will stay home and sit on their couch And just not work, not do anything, have no initiative. And they think, man, that's what life's supposed to be about. Life is supposed to be easy. For me to be happy, for me to be happy as a Christian, life should be easy. It doesn't say that in the Bible anywhere. I hate to burst your bubble. Because the people in the Bible that that God did some fantastic things with, the people that Jesus did great things with, they worked their tails off, they put some perspiration in into the effort of what God had called them to. Paul traveled throughout the world. He wrote letter after letter after letter to churches that he had visited to help continue to train them and teach them. For some of you, what you're going through when it comes to the the thing that's punched you in the face, it might be time to put in a little work. Put in some sweat equity. I'm going to tell you, God can do some great things through you better than what you can do through yourself. But if you will step up and take the first step and put your hands on it and start working it, God not make something happen. For others of you here today, you need to, um, I felt like the Holy Spirit was telling me that for some of you, the answer is not hard work. For some of you, hard work might be a problem right now. That might be the thing that's keeping you from what God is calling you to live selfless in. Because sometimes we, we and this, is, this is extra, so don't put it in your notes or whatever. This is just for, for later to chew on. Some of y'all, and, and myself included, there's not a y'all. I'm here. I, I am the y'all. Sometimes we go and we work so hard at things that don't even matter for things that we think this is important. And ultimately, it, it puts, it's getting in the place of where God should be. And so we choose, yeah, we're, we're selfless. We're going to put ourselves back a little bit. We're also going to put God back a little bit. We're going to put this thing called our job ahead of us, and it doesn't matter for anything. And we run under the mask of, like, I'm doing this for my family. I'm doing this for whatever. I think today for, for, for some of us choosing to be selfless needs to require some perspiration. And for some of us to be selfless, we need to require some rest. Paul did not stop. He continued working. He wrote letters to the church at Corinth. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9 through 10, it says this. It says, for I am the least of all apostles. He understood the 12 that had come before him and what they had done. He says, in fact, I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle after the way that I persecuted God's church. But whatever I am now, it is all because God poured out his special favor on me, and not without result. He says, says, for I have worked harder than any of the other apostles. Yet it is not I, but God, who works through me by his grace. It's this beautiful picture of humility and hard work wrapped up into one of being selfless and choosing Jesus first. When it comes to whatever you're getting hit in the face with, perspiration can be the key to getting through it. The last thing is this. The last key I believe that will help you continue to stay and choose to be selfless in the fight is purpose. Look at your neighbor and say Purpose. Acts 20, verse 24 says this, but my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it to finish the work God assigned me by the Lord Jesus. And the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. You know what, I'm gonna tell you today, Coastline, you have been called with a purpose. You've been called on purpose. Many of you here today, you came in because, you know, you think it might just be by accident. You saw us on Google or something like that, or on Facebook. Someone invited you. Someone said, hey, there's going to be free tacos. This is my type of church. I'm going to tell you what. But you think it's on accident. I'm going to tell you it's not on accident because God has a plan. He's called you on purpose. He wants you to live out that purpose with purpose. That purpose is to share the good news of who he is. And that can happen even inside of the fight of life that you're going through. Because we see Paul as he's been beaten and he's been stripped naked and as he's, he's in chains in prison, he continues to choose. You know what? I'm not going to give up. I'm going to see this through God's perspective. I'm going to continue to work hard and I'm going to worship through this. And I'm going to live out the purpose that God has called me to. As he starts to pray and as he starts to sing, it says the chains fell off of him and the gates were broken and opened. It says at that moment, the jailer came in and saw that all the gates were open. He thought, they've all escaped. And in those days, if you were a jailer and your prisoners had escaped, your payment was you had to take on their sentence. And so rather than doing that, he chooses to try to kill himself. He chooses to give up. and At the last moment, Paul yells from inside the jail cell and says, no, 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 we're still here. But come in here and let me show you. I know I've been beaten. I know I've been hurt. I know life is not easy right now. I know I'm on the inside of this jail. But let me tell you about how all this happened. It's because of Jesus. He said, if you choose him, your life will never be the same. And so that day, right there, the jailer gave his life to Jesus. They went to his house, and all their family gave their life to Jesus, and they were all baptized that night. An entire family's life was changed forever because of someone choosing to be selfless in spite of the fight that they're in. They still continued to live out their purpose in the fight that they were in. I want to challenge you today, man. I I know that life is not easy. Erica and I are 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 dealing with our own stuff with our, our family members and with our jobs and with our kids and life's not life's not easy. But every time that we choose to put Jesus first in those situations, he shows up in a big way. He can fight on your behalf. I never had this growing up. I never had this in middle school. But wouldn't it have been nice if when that giant four-foot Dale, 100, dripping, 100, 100 pounds dripping wet, what about if I didn't have to fight him? What about if I had an eighth-grader man said, no, I'll, I'll fight you for Brian? That'd have been nice. I didn't have that. I got my boat. But that's what Jesus wants for you. If you put him first, Man, he he doesn't want to get you back. He wants to stand in front. And so today with, with every head, every eye closed, no one looking around, man, you know what you're dealing with. You know what you're in a fight for. And Jesus knows everything about it. He knows more than you know about it. And he wants to help. If you're here today and you say, Jesus, I want to surrender this to you. I want to get out of your way and have you work your way in my life. I want to put you first. I want to choose to be selfless in spite of the fight. Today I choose you. If that's you, I want you to put a hand up and put it right back down. Yes, yes. If you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, maybe you've been coming to Coastline for a while, maybe you've been going to church for a while, but you've it's just been part of the, the routine of life, Maybe it's been one of those things that you've been just checking the box and saying, hey, I'm I'm going to church. I'm trying to be a good Christian. But today you want to take the next step and you want to have a real relationship. And you want him to really step in and have his way. I'm going to tell you, it could be the best decision you ever make in your entire life. But Jesus is never going to force a relationship with you. He's a gentleman. It takes you taking the first step and say, Jesus, I want to be in a relationship with you. If you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, but today you want to start one, no one's going to ask you to come up here. No one's going to ask you to fill out a form because no one's looking around. But if you want to say to Jesus, Jesus, I want to start a relationship with you today, I want you to put one hand up, and I want you to put it right back down. Jesus, in both of these situations, you've seen the hands that have gone up all over this room. You know the fights that people are dealing with. You know the people that want to have a relationship with you, not based off of religiousness or rules, but based off of reality, something real, something intimate and close connecting with you. I pray that as you already know all that we're dealing with and all that we struggle with, as we stand before you vulnerable and open, Pray that you would step in and have your way. I pray that you would start a relationship with us. For those of you today that uh, that released and opened an opportunity for Jesus to come in in the fight. Jesus, I thank you for it. I thank you for that fight because I know that you're gonna do something in it and something through it. And I pray that we would not forget that that we would not lose sight of your perspective and the purpose that you've called us to. And I thank you in advance for how you're gonna work it out, for how you're gonna show us how to swing and how to dodge and the next steps that we should take. I thank you for the courage and the energy to continue to push through. And Jesus, I pray that as we choose you to put you first, less of us, more of you, as we choose that, Lord, I pray that we would see along the way how you have shown up time and time again and how our life has continually gotten better because you've changed us as we follow you. I pray for more of that. I pray that through us you would change the world we live in. Every way of all else. As we choose, New Year, bless me. As always, Coastline, know that you are loved and that the best is yet to come.